I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great to be with you, as always, as uh, we are breaking down all things uh, political today, particularly as it relates to the debate uh, coming up tomorrow here in the great state of Utah. And uh, I think we've got him on. Oh, no, we don't have him quite yet. Uh, we're. We just lost uh, Senator Reid for a moment. I think uh, we'll just wait for them to dial back in quickly. Um, But we will uh, be breaking down everything uh, relating to the debate tomorrow, uh, along with some some insight today. Again, as we mentioned, Harry Reid's just trying to dial in here. We had a little technical snafu there. Um, But as you look at uh, how things are shaping up, uh, really interesting to get into the minds of the candidates as it uh, <clears throat> as they do their preparation. We're going to do this at 1135. We're going to do a full breakdown in terms of some debate strategy, uh, what that looks like. How do you get your message across? How do you avoid getting sucked into to bad conversations about topics you don't really want to discuss? Uh, how do you make sure that you are uh, framing what you're for, not just what you're against in these debates? How do you deal with personal attacks? Uh, and then just simple things like uh, your, the use of your voice, pace, pitch, and rhythm, uh, using all of the, the different tools in the toolkit to, to change the game. I, I think in the last uh, number of debates, uh, not just these presidential, but to really going back over the past year, the Democratic debates uh, in their nominating process were really interesting. People got into, a, uh, into just a really interesting flow that I think is counter to having a good debate uh, and a good discussion. Well, we're really pleased to be joined now by uh, former Senator Harry Reid from Nevada, former Majority Leader of the United States Senate, and uh, our neighbor to the West uh, there in Nevada. Senator, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, so, as as you look at uh, things from from your perch, you've uh, you've been through a, your fair share of uh, debates and debate prep and debate process, uh, both for yourself as a candidate, but also uh, helping presidential candidates and and others. Uh, what what would you hope people would be thinking about uh, rolling in uh, to debate? What do you think that uh, Senator Harris is uh, focusing on as she does her prep? Well, first of all, uh, Mike Pence is a capable man. He's a longtime radio talk show host. Um, he'll, he'll do fine. Um, Kamala Harris is a unique individual. I've known her since she was attorney general. She's a district attorney in California, uh, attorney general in California, and she's noted for a number of things in her work in the Senate. But the thing that she's noted for more than anything else is her great ability to examine witnesses, her ability to cross-examine. She's uh, just uh, one of the best ever. She's very, very good. So I expect uh, it to be a good debate. I think that uh, Kamala will do very well. I think people will get to know her better. And I'm, frankly, been impressed with her for many years and 
as each day goes by, I continue being one of our big fans. That's great. Uh, well, Senator, uh, I want to pivot just a little bit uh, now and, and talk about an institution that uh, you worked in and uh, loved and labored uh, on for uh, for many decades, the United States Senate. Uh, you had a, a chance to talk about the, the Senate as an institution. And uh, for a minute, just uh, look back, if you will, uh, and look at where what is the state of the Senate today um, in terms of where it was when you were there and what are your hopes for the Senate uh, moving forward? I think the state of the Senate is uh, abysmal. I think it's uh, really something that we should not be proud of. I look at the Senate in the years when we had uh, Democrats and Republicans actually doing what legislation is all about, and that is compromising. Had great Republican senators, Chafee, a war hero from Korean War, from Rhode Island, Danforth, a Episcopalian minister from Missouri, Hatfield, a devout Catholic from Oregon. Uh, it was a just a place where we got a lot of things done. But what has happened during the Trump years is that the Republican senators have lost their souls. The only senator that has stepped forward and done the right thing for the country on several occasions is Mitt Romney. Uh, the rest of the Republicans have been lapdogs for Donald Trump and has created a legislative body that just is not working well. Uh, the only thing they do there now is approve judges. They don't have uh, debates. They don't vote on amendments. And um, as I've said, wrote an op-ed for the New York Times, um, the one thing that it has accomplished is the absolute denigration of the Senate by having 60 votes for everything. Uh, the filibuster is on its way out. It's not a question if, it's a question when it goes away. And I would, I would say this. I think that uh, the Republican senators are, I repeat what I said earlier, they are just not individualistic. They go along with whatever Trump wants, and it's created lots of problems. So, Senator, as you, as you look at the uh, the state of the Senate, and, uh, and I share a bunch of that sentiment, uh, although I probably stretch the uh, the blame across a little further, um, because it has been a, a both-sides issue. Uh, I know uh, in my time in Washington it was uh, commonplace to, to walk onto the floor of the Senate uh, to someone just giving a speech to uh, to a camera uh, and to a few uh, interns and uh, a few Senate pages uh, rather than having that real robust debate in front of the American people. Do you think there's a way to get back to where senators, in addition to their committee hearings and things they need to do, that they will ever actually get back to debating, amending, compromising, voting on the floor of the Senate in front of the American people? Yes, and I think the filibuster, if it goes away, it'll still be a great body. We'll have a bicameral legislature. We'll have two-year terms in the House, six-year terms in the Senate. And I think that the Senate can recuperate, return to its former great debating society. That's great. Uh, Senator Harry Reid uh, joining us today, uh, of course, uh, part of the, the Democratic team uh, in support of uh, Senator Kamala Harris. 
and uh, we'll we'll watch uh, with a lot of interest uh, moving into uh, tomorrow. And uh, we we appreciate your service, Senator, and uh, hope that your health continues to do well. Is there any update you can give us there? You're uh, you're clearly a fighter, uh, and you seem to be winning. I'm doing okay. I'm uh, um, take a day at a time. I I want everyone within the sound of my voice to. The mere fact that you have cancer doesn't mean the end of the world. There's new techniques being given to us every week. We're doing much, much better on detecting cancer and treating it. So your listeners should understand um, that the fact you have cancer is not the end of the world. Yeah. I, I appreciate that message of, of hope, and uh, we continue to, to pray for you and uh, appreciate your example in fighting it and in beating it uh, day after day. It's a one-day-at-a-time thing, so we appreciate that. Again, thanks. Well, I, I, would, oh, I, would, just, I would just close by saying that Utah has been good for my kids. I've had uh, my boys have gone to Utah. I have been gone to University of Utah. I've had four graduate from BYU. I've got grandsons now at Utah State, where I went to school. Yeah. So um, we're pretty. I'm pretty familiar with Utah. <laughs> That's great, and I think your. Uh, I think my favorite uh, story uh, regarding you, Senator, was uh, when uh, you were in Congress, and uh, then uh, just young Mike Lee. Uh, and your son, uh, Josh, you locked them both in the garage uh, as a little prank, and uh, <laughs> you may have to lock them up they're lucky, uh, again. They're, lucky. they're both lucky they got out. <laughs> Very good. Hey, Senator, thanks so much for making time for us today. Really appreciate it, and best of luck, yeah, and, and uh, keep it, keep at it. All right, and that's uh, Senator Harry Reid uh, joining us today, and we do uh, wish him well in uh, his fight against pancreatic cancer uh, he has uh, fought that uh, very bravely and uh, is doing great. It's great to hear his voice. Uh, and I do remember the uh, the, the story. And I've heard it told uh, both from uh, Senator Reed's point of view and from Senator Lee's point of view. He was a teenage boy, and uh, he and uh, Senator Reed's son, Josh, I believe it was, were uh, goofing around and ended up in the garage. And uh, Senator Reed just went and locked him in. So uh, he's, as Senator Reed said, they're lucky they both got out uh, from that one. So anyway, always appreciate his perspective and and really interesting. I, I do think I do think it's interesting in looking at can the can the Senate be rehabilitated? Can it be restored to a great deliberative body? Uh, Harry Reid was absolutely right. The Senate is doing nothing uh, other than uh, getting some post offices named and uh, getting some judges through. That's about the extent of most of the work that's going on in the Senate right now. And I, again, I, I blame both sides of the aisle on this. It is a paralysis in the Senate uh, that needs to be remedied. I'm not sure getting rid of the filibuster is the right uh, model, uh, but it is one to talk about in terms of what is going to jumpstart it. I actually think if both houses of Congress would just reclaim their right and their responsibility uh, to legislate and stop passing these bills with wonderfully sounding names, and then in the text, it's, it says, and we bequeath all the power to write, administer, and enforce whatever the law is to XYZ department. And so we have all these alphabet soup agencies who are literally writing laws and not just writing laws. 
they're enforcing the laws and determining what the punishment is. Uh, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. But often members of Congress will do this because it absolves them of responsibility to their constituents. It's much easier to pass. We always use the example of the we shall have clean air law. Everybody's going to cheer for that. I mean, what member of Congress in their right mind is going to vote against a bill called the we shall have clean air law? But then you start reading through the bill and mostly it's blank pages. And the pages all say we hereby bequeath power to write this law, enforce this law, and determine the penalties of not abiding by this law to the Environmental Protection Agency. And then and then, when a constituent comes to a member of Congress and say, hey, this regulation is crazy and it's killing my business or it's hurting my family, the member of Congress can say, hey, I just voted for clean air, not my responsibility. If you got a problem, you go talk to the to EPA. And guess what? The EPA, those folks are not elected. Uh, you can't vote them out. They work there. And so that's where a lot of the frustration is, but it is because the Senate in particular, and the House together continue to to abdicate their power and authority to the executive branch. And that's got to stop. And then I hope that we will get to a point that we can have real debate, real debate. Give me 100 senators on the floor of the United States Senate. Give me 100 of them and give them to me for three or four hours a day. On the floor, everyone, in their desks. That's what those desks are for. And then let's debate. Then you can give a speech if you want. You can offer an amendment. Imagine an amendment process to make a bill better. And then debate it and compromise and amend it and vote again and do it all in front of the American people rather than what we're currently getting, which is just a lot of puff and smoke and distraction and followed by backroom deals, 11th hour negotiations that nobody sees, and votes in the middle of the night that passes sweeping legislation in the trillions of dollars. We got lots more to discuss. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.